life and vanity You traded all your hopes and dreams for insanity I'm Father Harry Dean, a priest of the Diocese of Austin, together with Deacon Ronnie Lastavica, also of the Diocese of Austin. I'm the chaplain for Cedar Break Retreat Center for our diocese. Deacon Ronnie is the pastoral care coordinator for Restorative Justice Ministry, our outreach to the incarcerated in Gatesville, Texas specifically, and to the corrections officers who serve there. We are in a series on Courage and Encourage, Apostolates of the Catholic Church, reaching out to those who have same-sex attraction and their families in support of them for a chaste and holy life. On the website for Courage and Encourage, we have found a mountain of good information, and we've been speaking that to you and providing observations along the way. We're in a section on frequently asked questions. And Deacon Ronnie, the next one is, why doesn't Courage refer to its members as gay or lesbian? Courage sees persons with same-sex attractions first and foremost as men and women created in the image of God and with a vocation to live a chaste and holy life through an ever-deepening union with Christ. Some people say that identifying themselves as gay or lesbian, either privately or publicly, simply means that they are acknowledging that their emotional, romantic, or sexual attractions are predominantly and persistently towards the same sex. They hold that these words are simple but essential descriptors for a key part of their identity and claim that the adoption of these labels are a way of owning their sexuality and facing the reality of who they are. Further, they hold that such labels do not interfere with or diminish their commitment to chastity. While this may be true for some, there are others from whom the embracing of LGBTQ terminology is a stumbling block for reasons such as the following. First, it draws from and draws them more into a secular uh, milieu, uh, causing them to be more tempted to pursue a sexually active homosexual relationship. It makes them more susceptible to embracing the politics of gay activism, which is often at odds with the church's moral teaching, especially in the area of marriage. It influences them to disregard or gloss over the church's teachings on the inclination to homosexual activity being objectively disordered because the world often profounds the ideas that all things gay are good. The experience of sexuality and all its subtleties and nuances does indeed have a powerful influence on our experiences of life and on how we interact with others. However, we would be mistaken to root our identity in those very subjective currents that can overwhelm us and sometimes lead us astray apart from the abiding in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So, Courage also considers the examples of our adult membership in our pastoral outreach sets for young people whose psychological development is still in a very formative stage. So premature labeling may discourage a young person from being open to the possibility of further psychological development. It may also cause a young person to be more vulnerable to confusion and temptation in the three ways described earlier. This is why Courage considers it pastorally prudent to avoid terms such as stumbling blocks to others. Accordingly, we gently encourage our membership to think beyond the labels of gay and lesbian 
And while we strive together to strive to grow in our essential identity as men and women formed in God's image, created in intimate and eternal union with Christ. Very important that we need not leave sight of that, because to live as men and women created in the image and likeness of God with a vocation to live a chaste and holy life throughout the deeping union with our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, and so going back into those series of reasons, gay activism as a political reality in the world today is not something that we're encouraging our faithful Catholics who experience same-sex attraction to link themselves to, because as it says in, in this text, it's often at odds with the church's moral teachings, especially in the area of marriage, and that uh, with the world around it, that all things gay are good. So the experience of sexuality in all its subtleties and nuances does indeed have a powerful influence, and this influence is to be directed towards our life in God, not towards self-service, not towards a political reality, uh, not towards an activism. And I, I think that's the, the part where it can get dicey for a person to say, I'm gay or I'm lesbian, as opposed to, first and foremost, I'm a child of God, and my primary influence in life, though I have strong influences from other areas of my life, like my human sexuality, is through the power of the Holy Spirit— in the way in which God invites me into a life with Christ. So I think they're they're really trying to, to be delicate and gentle there and not being condemnatory necessarily, but just saying, look, if you what terms you use to describe yourself can have an impact on how you see yourself and on the moral decisions that you make with your life. And I think in regards to life, it can lead to us compartmentalizing how we live life. We can see ourselves uh, living this particular life one way here, but then I move into this subculture with as even more subcultures within the subcultures over here, and, and, and that's really not an authentic life that we're called to live. We're called to live as sons and daughters of the one true God. And so if I'm out there uh, living two lifestyles, then and additionally, I mean, it's just going to create uh, a confusion for myself. <laughs> Uh, but as more importantly, it's to the people that are I'm around in our community becomes um, not the one uh, that, 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 that the church calls us to be. Well, and one of the things that's been found as we parse through the terrible reality of priest transgressions with their human sexuality is the frequent case where a priest falls into the practice of living what is called a double life where he faithfully presents himself as a priest of the Catholic Church over here in the life of his parish, but then when he's, quote, off the, the clock, he's off living some other kind of life. Sadly, some of these in horrible sexual transgressions that are being uh, documented uh, here, there, and everywhere, and which where he as a church are having to work through, repent from, try and protect to keep from ever happening again. Similar application here. Uh, that that those terminologies of gay and lesbian can allow a person, a faithful Catholic person experiencing same-sex attraction to give themselves, as Deacon Ronnie is, is phrasing it, a compartmentalized life where I'm a good Catholic over here, but uh, in my nightlife, I'm over in a gay-lesbian orientation and living something that agitates against the, the, the moral fabric of, of what a healthy Catholic life would be in my human sexuality. We priests are, are no less vulnerable to those things is what I'm saying. So we're not pointing fingers here. 
We're just saying this is something that the human person has to watch out for and be careful of, every one of us, that to, to live what we profess in all aspects of our life, because the evil one's out there to trick us, to invite us, to say, oh, you can be good part of the time, but the other part of the time you get to scratch that itch. And here, I'll show you how to do that, and I'll take you further and further away from your life in Christ until it's unrecognizable. And that's what we're trying to, to avoid. Uh, the next question in the frequently asked questions, what is the courage reparational group? Does it have anything to do with reparative therapy? Christ's death is both the paschal sacrifice that accomplishes the definitive redemption of men through the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's John chapter 1, verse 29 and the sacrifice of the new covenant, which restores us to communion with God by reconciling us to God through the blood of the covenant, which was poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Matthew chapter 26, verse 28. This sacrifice of Christ is unique. It completes and surpasses all other sacrifices. First, it is a gift from God the Father himself, for the Father handed his Son over to sinners in order to reconcile us with himself. At the same time, it is the offering of the Son of God made man who in freedom and love offered his life to the Father through the Holy Spirit in reparation for our disobedience. That's Catechism of the Catholic Church in the 600s. The Church teaches that those who believe in Christ can share in his work of reparation for their own sins and for those of others by their devout participation in the Holy Mass and in other works of prayer and charity. Pope Pius IX referred to this duty of honorable satisfaction or reparation to the sacred heart of Jesus as a necessary response to Christ's love for us. The creature's love should be given in return for the love of the Creator, to the same uncreated love. If perhaps it has been neglected by forgetfulness or violated by offense, some sort of compensation must be rendered for the injury, and this debt is commonly called by the name of reparation. By his self-sacrifice on the cross, our Lord paid the price of our redemption and offered his own sacred body and blood as a peace offering for our offenses against God. This perfect act of reparation continues in the sacrifice of the Mass, which makes present in every time and place the one sacrifice of Christ crucified. Now let me bring it all together about reparation and reparation therapy. Two different things, the reparation brought by the sacrifice of the Savior and reparation therapy as it exists today. Because the church's teachings on chastity and sexuality are so neglected in the modern world, some members of Courage joined together for prayer to make reparation, particularly for sins against chastity. We could all do that. By sharing together in person or over the phone or internet in prayers like the Holy Rosary, the Divine Mercy Chaplet, and Holy Hours in the presence of the Most Blessed Sacrament, these courage reparational groups make intercession on behalf of the whole world and receive grace themselves for their daily strivings to be chaste and holy. The spiritual practice of reparation is not the same as psychological counseling techniques known as reparative therapy. So we want to fully develop this, but just to, to reiterate, when we're talking about reparation as it's expressed in courage and encourage, 
in comparison to reparative therapy, they are not the same thing. One is a spiritual action rooted in the sacrifice of the mass embraced by the church. The other, reparative therapy, um, speaks to the next frequently asked question, which I'll hand off to Deacon Ronnie. Does courage require or provide therapy for members to change their orientation? We turn to the Gospel of St. John, and this is chapter 2, verse 25, and it tells us that Jesus knew the human heart very well and that the church has always welcomed the insights of the medical, psychological, social sciences in acquiring a deeper understanding of the human person who is a unity of body and soul. There is no purely spiritual approach to holiness that does not also take into account the human mind, human relationships, especially the family, and the needs of the human body. So the authentic meeting, po- authentic meeting point of spirituality and psychology with regards to same-sex attraction is in that what might be called uh, chastity-based therapy. This is, a very, this is very far from an attempt to repair or fix someone. Rather, those with a deep understanding of the human being think and relate to others have demonstrated many ways in which habits of coping with feelings or situations can make one more susceptible to temptations or more likely to seek gratification in ways that are not good for him or for her. And I think we've, we've spoken to this before and earlier, uh, we've spoken to this before in earlier episodes, but it's very important um, to, uh, to see that uh, this is uh, something that you don't do on your own, that that sense of knowledge, awareness, uh, self, self-knowledge um, is very much uh, front and center and as they address this issue. Some people find that in addition to spiritual direction and the sacraments and ability to talk about their experience and their present situation with someone who understands these ways of coping, thinking, and acting, well-trained ethical psychologists and therapists give them insight that help them in their striving to be chaste. Courage respects the decisions some of our members make to seek the assistance of qualified professionals for the better understanding of themselves their ways of seeing the world and their relationships, and all of which can aid into the daily battle for holiness and chastity. However, courage meetings are not group therapy. No courage member is required to seek counseling or treatment of any kind. And this is, again, um, back to the uh, courage document on mental health professional and physician resources. So I think out in the community and out in the public dialogue that has to do with what happens when I have a same-sex attraction, I go to my church, they present me with courage and encourage, um, is there going to be a component where they basically you know, take me through some process where I'm, quote, brainwashed or in some other way kind of purged by a psychological therapeutic? Me- that's not what we're talking about. Um, we're, we're talking about that the whole of the human person is best effected by the relationship with God. And the relationship with God is founded in the love of God in Jesus Christ and the love that God has for us in Jesus Christ. And that's where courage and encourage are going to be directing you. So this isn't about any kind of magic wand that a therapeutic uh, 
regimen or practice or, or therapeutic uh, group session is going to do. It, it's it's about bringing God into the picture. Now, there, and as Deacon Ronnie pointed out um, in that last little piece there, they're not against the use of an ethical professional, psychologist, psychiatrist, whomever it may be that you're going to engage to help you better understand yourself. Bring that to the group. But the group isn't about that. It, it's about bringing sacramental life, um, making a, obedient and sacrificial choices for the chaste life that brings holiness to us. Um, and, and the rest of that is a companion, but it's not what we're offering here. And I think we just go back to the original five goals of courage to address that. that again, uh, uh, chastity, prayer and dedication, fellowship, support— and good examples and role models. This is this is at the heart of what the courage community is doing for you, uh, um, for us as we as we gather together in, in this in this circle of of of, of friends, and um, so we wouldn't want to lose sight of that uh, any more than I would present myself as a as a mental health professional, which I'm not, but uh, I would certainly um, direct someone to seek good mental health. Uh, uh, assistance, if if that so warrants it, um, in their their own life journey, but also to not leave uh, the spiritual component uh, to the mental health professionals, who unless they'd be so trained to do that. Right, right. Have one be a complement for the other, but uh, the 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 life of the spirit is the life that is the all encompassing kind of background and framework and director in in, in a person's life aided by medical sciences when those are available and can be done in an ethical manner. Yes. Right. So we're in a section here, and I think you, you all listening are going to be able to tell. So that question was, does courage require or provide therapy for members to change their orientation? The answer is no. But the next question is in the same ballpark. Is courage a, quote, ex-gay ministry? That's the first part. And then does courage believe that someone can, quote, pray away the gay? I think what we're addressing here are models that are out there for people that present themselves as assistance to those with same-sex attraction that we do not necessarily embrace in the Roman Catholic tradition. So in answer to these two questions, is courage an ex-gay ministry and does courage believe that someone can, quote, pray away the gay? Courage prefers to think of itself as a, quote, pro-chastity ministry. And you've heard us saying that over and over again. Uh, Pro-chastity is exactly what Deacon Ronnie just reiterated with those five goals. Many Courage members have never labeled themselves gay prior to coming to Courage. This does not mean that they were unaware of their their experience of same-sex attractions. It simply means that they've never chosen to label themselves gay in the first place, either because of a dislike of the reductionist nature of the term gay, meaning that it compartmentalizes you into seeing yourself as having one identity, a gay identity. That's not how we understand ourselves. We see ourselves as children of God first and foremost. So either because of a dislike of the reductionist nature of the term gay or because they kept their same-sex attraction private. The phrase, quote, pray away the gay, conveys the simplistic notion that a sufficient amount of prayer will always and everywhere deliver a person from the desire for sexual intimacy with a person of the same sex. Courage understands the complexity of same-sex attraction. 
The many possible contributing factors to the development of such attractions can vary from person to person. And some people may experience same-sex attractions periodically throughout the course of their lives, not necessarily pervasively. That is to say, it, it comes upon me and I can't shake it. For some people, it's a, it's a kind of, it, it shows up and it goes away, it shows up and it goes away. The focus of Courage Ministry is the development of a life of interior chastity in union with Christ. Let's say that one again. The focus of Courage Ministry is the development of a life of interior chastity in union with Christ. Chastity itself is the fruit of a dynamic relationship with Christ based on love, discipleship, holiness, and charity. Courage believes with the church that all persons are called to and are capable of living a life of holiness and chastity. I just want to— Please. uh, just emphasize the importance of what you just said, Father, in the development of a life of interior chastity. It's the development of that interior life, that interior chastity that's going to lead to an external chaste life, and it's not the other way around. So we're not going to start with with this white-knuckled approach. We're going to develop the interior life, and then we'll leave us to an exterior life, which will be present. Which I think is one of the, the things about encourage. For family to be supportive, even though it may be awkward and difficult, you know, you're not agreeing with the decisions, but at the same time, without that support, the time of perseverance that's going to be necessary for the person to slowly extract themselves from what may be a fairly entrenched entrance into the community of being gay or lesbian is going to take them some time. And they're going to need that assistance to cultivate that interior chastity, to operate out of it more and more, and the falsely presented lifestyle that they've been enticed into less and less. Each human being is free to ask God for deliverance from specific weaknesses. But we may find, like St. Paul, that God allows us to remain weak in certain areas so that we will rely more on His grace and strength, and grow in humility. That's from 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. Courage, as an apostolate, prays with and for all its members to grow continually in their relationship with Christ and to receive all the grace and blessings the Holy Spirit has to offer. Courage also believes the greatest healing is the union of a soul with Jesus Christ and the continual turning of that soul to Christ for strength, even in the midst of weaknesses and temptations. This we strive to do one day at a time with the aid of prayer, the sacraments, good fellowship, and spiritual support. We can say that about any number of ongoing and pervasive sins that happen in the lives of any number of people. We need all of the above, one day at a time, prayer, sacraments, good fellowship, and spiritual support to keep ourselves all on a path of holiness, no matter what is challenging us on the side of enticement for sin, whether it be same-sex attraction or whether it be any number of other things. I think it definitely supports the the good fruit of a a way of life, a rule of life for for all of us to be able to to incorporate all the things you just mentioned, Father, and to see that that's what we should strive for, not just on an occasional basis, but every day, each and every day. 
For our last frequently asked question, this one's for Deacon Ronnie. Are there courage chapters for teenagers, and what do you recommend for youth and young adults experiencing same-sex attractions? Individual Catholic teenagers who are experiencing same-sex attractions do need to find a safe venue to speak with someone about how they are feeling. However, many young Catholics experience a certain amount of fluidity in terms of sexual attractions. And uh, there's a study by um, Cats Wise that uh, can bring more attention to um, this particular topic. But so taking on a label of a young age may lock a teen into a label of identity that may turn out to be uh, not to be accurate later on in life. And so for this reason, Courage does not have groups for teens and does not suggest that teens teens come out as gay or lesbian. When I want to expand on that one just a little bit in the time that we have left. Um, and the reason they say that is a common sense one. I think there's probably clinical ones as well, but a common sense one would be, you all know, you remember what it was like when you were young, what it was like when you were a teen. We all formed identities. We are formed identities around athletics, around entertainers, around musical styles, around um, any number of things. But we also had those things come and go. There are phases, there are fads, there's things that, that uh, are, are transient in nature, not permanent. And for folks at a young age to take on any kind of identity from any direction, uh, if I'm reading this correctly, is probably not the best way to go because we know what our identity is rooted in it to begin with. From eternity, God has known us, and God desires us for himself. Our identity is wrapped up in Christ. We can have influences around that, and they don't all have to be negative or, or anti-religion. Uh, but in terms of saying I'm coming out as lesbian and gay in teenage years or even earlier, risks an identity link that others aren't going to let you shake. And it's simply too early because we still are learning who we are. We still are looking and being influenced by external things in our lives. A lot of life left to live. Very cautionary there to not go that direction. The whole Catholic community needs to welcome and accompany young Catholics who are experiencing same-sex attractions. And parents should remind their children that they are always loved and accepted in the family and try to provide an environment in which their children feel secure to discuss all their needs, desires, and experiences. Teachers and school counselors need to present the church's teachings on sexuality, relationships, and the virtues of chastity in a way that is both clear and compassionate. Priests and pastoral care ministers can, take, can help teens to understand the, and live the, light, the, live the virtues and to discern God's plan for their lives, including his plan for sexuality and sexual intimacy. Well-trained, faithful therapists can help young people to better understand their sexual attractions in a broader context of relationships, needs, and desires, and to integrate their sexuality into a bigger picture of their identity as children of God who are created for and called to holiness. So to wrap it up, we're going to pray with St. Monica and to emphasize once again what we're presenting here is the teachings of the Church for us to consider upon which we can pray, and to ask God for guidance, whether it rests easy with us or whether it's a challenge. St. Monica, you who are such a gift to your family, 
gift to the church, and model of parental perseverance, I look to you for inspiration. Pray to our gracious Father in heaven that I too may be granted the gift of holy perseverance that was granted you, so that no matter the circumstances I may face as a parent, that I never falter in my faith or stop persisting in leading my children, who are one of God's greatest gifts to me, into deeper union with Him. When my children's hearts are restless, send forth your prayers from heaven, asking God that I may be made ever stronger and more effective in word and action, and steering them to find their rest in our Lord who made us for Himself. O saintly mother of so many tears, pray for me that my heart will be always full of hope. Holy Saint Monica, whose powerful and persistent prayers were answered, pray for my children. Amen. If you'd like to hear more on this subject or many others, as of now Deacon Ronnie and I have recorded 80 different topics, you can find those in a podcast form on redsearadio.org, or you can download Red Sea Catholic Radio's app, and there find all of our topics, along with many, many others for podcast listening. These are great Catholic resources for you, for your family, as we all explore and walk in the culture that surrounds us today. These are specifically Catholic topics that allow us to form our own consciences, those of our children, and when we are in need of some enlightenment, some correction, and just some growth in our faith, you can find many different topics there for you to be able to listen to, pray about, and share with your friends and your family. Brother, if you walk with me, 